0: In this episode of The Picture of Wealth, Dustin sits down with Lance Preeb, a creative catalyst and successful video game developer to talk about games.
1: The game is just a series of interesting choices. That's actually what the definition is.
0: The importance of play.
1: Gaming is just play. Everybody loves play. It doesn't matter who you are.
0: And how vital curiosity is in terms of success. Oh, just be
1: curious. That's it. That curiosity is going to get you somewhere.
0: So if you want to hear all this and more, then tune in and start living more of your life now. I had a lot of fun in this episode and Lance is a a class act that I've known for a long time. But the backstory that I don't get into in the episode is that Lance, a guy named Dave Crisco and a guy named Lane Merrifield started a company called Club Penguin. And then they sold to Disney and sold for its public knowledge $350 million amongst other Various incentives, if you read up on the literature, no one really knows the details of that, but it doesn't matter. The reality is Lance has done extraordinarily well in business. He built a company, he sold it for a lot of money and never has to work again, but he does. And he has an interesting lifestyle and a, a, a number of different philosophy on lifestyle focus, behaviors, and tips and tricks that he uses to keep him balanced in his life and you get to learn about the next chapter that happened after Club Penguin and uh, let's get after it. I am excited to have Lance Preeb on the podcast today and uh, I've known Lance for a number of years but uh, you know something that's always inspired me is is the active nature of of hiking lifestyle. You have a, a great business background that you know I'm sure we'll touch on but, uh, you know, for for opening up the conversation, uh, help us understand where the name Hyper Hippo actually came oh.
1: from. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it was a joke. It was just a straight-out joke. Um, uh, my biggest career success in entertainment and video games is uh, Club Penguin. Uh, I founded that with Dave Crisco and Lane Merrifield. Uh, of course, it's called Club Penguin. And then, but prior to that, my personal video game studio I started in 1999 was called Rocket Snail. And of course, the team, when we were trying to find up a name for our new studio, was just joking me and everything should be a animal adverb, verb, something rather. So they said, we should be Hyper Hippo. I'm like, okay, <laughs> fine. That was it. The irony, of course, is we are known now in the industry as the leading developer of what's called an idle game. So the, the name Hyper and idle, it just <laughs> gets in the
0: line. So uh, the more uh, we chat and the more I chat with some of your, your partners, uh, the video game space always fascinates me the scale, the, you know, the sheer use of it, and how many millions of people you know, use your games. <laughs> but uh, I think we should unpack that for a sec. So an idle game, Is this isn't, doesn't sound like car racing or, uh, you know, the two dimensional, you know, Angry Birds game. That's that's an industry word.
1: So you as a consumer wouldn't hear that word. Okay. Um, that's just what we call it in the industry. And I think it's actually poorly named. I think it's becoming what's called a game mechanic. So, such as you play chess or which would be a strategy game, you have an action or, or what's called a field game. So, that would be what you hear all your teenagers playing, like Fortnite and running around blasting things right you have your simulators and aircrafts you have you have your, what's called match three which uh millions and millions and millions player that's your your candy crush and your match the three objects and puzzle okay. puzzle games and then you have idle games and idle games came out as a it's a style of gameplay where uh you make a couple interesting choices but the game plays by itself and you put it away and then you keep checking in on it to see how your progress is doing. So it's it's idling along while you're you're not playing it. Mm. And that's it's very popular for the older gamers uh, that wish they still had time to play games, but they don't have any more time. We get a lot of fan mail, like uh, pilots of aircrafts, business lawyers, everybody. They're like, "I'm so busy. I miss playing games, but I love your game because I feel like I'm playing it all the time." But they're not right. they're sitting in their pocket idling away. And they check in, maybe oh, our players sometimes check in about four or five times per day to make interesting choices and then continue on with their lives. So right. I love it because it's not interrupt. We're not asking you to sit down for two, three hours, stare at a screen and play. That, that's the part I actually really, really like about it. Making, I think
0: it's good for humanity. Gets people I think it's outside, great. but
1: <laughs> And I think the p- superpower of games is... Uh, what is a game, by the way? It, a game is just a series of interesting choices. That's actually what the definition is.
0: Hmm.
1: And that's it. Versus spreading around like kids in chaos uh, uh, on a field, screaming at each other, which would probably be play. So there's play and then there's games. Games would be the rules of kids running around on a field doing something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Man. It, well, again, so... Uh, with, without getting into sort of the, the nitty gritty, but your 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 hyper hippo serves. You know, people can look up the Club Penguin story, multiple yeah. media on that. But so the hyper hippo story is: is it one game or is it multiple games? And you have a a user base that plays both, or it's they only play one game. Some. Uh, so our
1: we're a studio, so we produce. We have multiple teams creating multiple games. We have to keep trying to build more hits. Uh, our most popular, our oldest game and most popular is Adventure Capitalist. Uh, as a joke, we made a follow-up game called Adventure Communist. Okay. Uh, I'll be honest; it's harder to market, especially in, in, during an election in the U.S. That was <laughs> Facebook kept saying we're too political. They okay. Kept saying, "Well, it's a game of it, it's a potato simulator." If you ever want to play it? If you can get over the name of it, it, is a potato simulator. You grow potatoes. Okay. Um. And then we we're working on a up. new one called Adventure Ages right now, which is like uh, going through time and time machine. And you deal with like Egyptians through dark ages, through space, through just uh, different periods of time. And you're building empires. It's just an empire building game. So you're building your, your empire. Right. <laughs> we're having fun. And we got the team's working on a couple more ideas. And then, yes, uh, some a lot of players don't play all of them. So that's why you make more than one because there's always so many people that want to play a. Adventure Capitalist by itself is what's called a tycoon game, which is just uh, a run a business. People are interested in running a business game. So it's a comedy. It makes fun of it. Uh, But not everybody wants to play that. So we make different ones. So the potato one is more of a farming game. You grow, etc. Ages is a little bit more of a building game. So buildings matter. So what cultural artifacts, like uh, civilizations, what part of your culture will help your culture grow? You know, I want more music. Therefore, my culture becomes more artistic or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're just trying different ideas.
0: So uh, um, adventure capitalist is... is, So the the leaders of that game, are they necessarily business leaders or is it gameplay... Like I I am I'm, I'm always intrigued by that game because you, you it starts with a lemonade stand, does it not? Yeah. Yeah. So you That's what every entrepreneur stand. should start with a lemonade yeah. stand.
1: And then you start <laughs> so, washing washing your neighbors' cars. Is that is that actually what happens in the game? Yeah. Or no. As soon as you've made enough money building lemonades, you start your car washes. And as soon as you got your car washes, you I think it's you move on to pizza delivery and then donut making and then we make fun of uh, and then we start making. a lot of people don't always catch the cultural jokes so then we make fun of um, um, Forrest Gump's um, shrimp, boat, shrimp boat so you start a shrimp boat company <laughs> <laughs> then of course near the end of the game of course you. Well, we're Canadians so you have to become an owner of a
0: hockey team
1: and then okay. of course you, you want to own a bank because if you own a bank you own your own money and then we just make fun
0: well, very. Uh, so then, the, the leaders of that game are they business people or are they gamers? Like they're or they're, uh, are everybody game professionals. You'd uh, be amazed. We get letters from
1: unbelievable. Uh, we got letters recently from like United States Marine Corps uh, deployed soldiers that say they 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 just love the activity to take their mind off of what they're doing right now. Right, uh, but they like that the game just progresses and they can not have to put in hours of work. Uh, We got business leaders. We've got student elementary school classrooms that play it to teach. I have no idea what, but somehow the teachers are using it to teach compound interest or something. Okay. But it's just funny and cute. And uh, everyone, Um, most people are shocked. Like here in Canada, the average gamer is over 35 years old in Canada. And it's 50-50. It's women and men. Uh, Mm -hmm. North America was actually the least... We did a disservice to all our poor women in, in our nations, U.S. and Canada, because when video games came to North America, they came to the toy store. The rest of Europe and Asia actually just took video games as like a cultural entertainment device. So it was for everyone. Uh, here in North America, we brought it to the toy store and sadly, we put the video game machine in the boy aisle. So it made it predominantly male for many, many years. And now it's we've caught up to the rest of the world. where gaming is just play everybody loves play it doesn't matter who you are yeah so and we're also the younger of ages we were the the we, we was in a toy store therefore games were thought for kids uh internationally games are for everyone you just play, play. and you already do you golf you yeah. play sports It's all the same thing
0: <laughs> yeah activities but it's, hobbies and- things to do and, and how, how much time do you game, or do you game, or is the outlet building it? I like board games everywhere. Yeah, I see that. Um, I see that.
1: Uh, that's a tricky question for most people in the industry. Like, if you talk to people in like Hollywood and stuff, the Hollywood people I know don't actually watch any movies. People that usually work in video games don't play any games. Is yeah. it, we, we begin to you, you analyze it. So you start playing it, going, Oh, I get it. Oh, I know what they did. Oh, I know what this does. Oh, I know this is what's going to happen. And then you're like, uh, this is kind of boring because right. I've already I've read. I've dissected it so many times that I know exactly what it's going to do. So yeah. you start looking at other things and you have other hobbies. So I go hiking.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, you're leading me into to the next sort of uh, you know what I, what I want to hear you talk about or what I think is, is interesting is you are a very creative person. Uh, and you've been great at surrounding yourself with, with different uh, people with different skill sets. But that creativity, you know, we talked pre-show of those waves of creativity come and go. But you do have a very active lifestyle, and you do have certain things that you're extremely passionate about that you don't. You don't maybe maybe you'd correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't work 12 hours a day, you know, seven days a week. And I don't get the impression that that in the early days that was. Or maybe correct me that that existed either. You always had this sort of creative juice and and recognized the value of space and the value of being giving your yourself permission to go out and do some sort of activity that you're passionate about and ideas that then lead to money have popped into those places. So a lot of the listeners are our business owners and people who might be having trouble figuring out I could never take a Friday off because I got to be in my business. So, you know, for you and, and sort of the journey that you've had, how, is that something you m- made yourself realize? Or is that something you've always... No, you know, I've, I've had to
1: make myself realize that you're, you're painting a beautiful picture, but probably my 20s and 30s. Uh, no, I worked a lot. I worked every waking minute. Um Put in tons and tons and tons of hours, even when we had small children. Um, I actually loved that they had nap times and everything. I was just working away in the room while they were sleeping. Right. The, uh, but it took, me a, it took me a long time to start catching in that, that my health wasn't in the right place um, and relationships and just open yourself up to opportunities. Like I was really talented and skilled, knew what I wanted to build. And you're correct. The early on when I didn't know what idea I really wanted to work on, you explore ideas and you try different things. But when a Penguin came along and early Hyper Hippo came along, um was all in and all working on it. Now, now when I start a new company and start a new project, though, and I've learned a lot more. Uh, I've learned that the other things are just as
0: important. And I'm not saying um The trick isn't, isn't that, uh,
1: it's, it's, it's you, you, I was saying pre-show you have, you're right. You have to create space for things to happen. Like I actually do take more than Fridays off per week. My calendar is heavily blocked. Um, my office hours for the team to actually book me is something like 10 AM to three. And then, um, uh, Tuesdays I'm not available till one. Wednesdays I'm not available. Thursdays I'm available. Any day that starts with a T is available for team teams. And then uh, Fridays I'm off. What I'm working because what happens is is I need to create space in my business. If I kept showing up at the office every day, it was what I've learned. I just stay busy. But. If I create space, my Wednesday is my my practice of uh, be get my create my personal creative projects done, so that's when I'm managing my own teams and my own projects my own deadlines. Every other day I'm looking over other people's stuff mentoring and checking in and stuff and Fridays is my spillover day, so I'm not really taking it off it's just if something happens so like like uh, I don't know like if if well i've had I've had it happen many times so big studios like netflix and warner brothers and all these guys give me a call on a tuesday and say we want to talk to you i'm like great i'm free friday right because if you don't create that space you cannot have any room for opportunity and that's the big key there that i've really had to learn so a lot of times there's the many weeks that go by i'm like oh i got nothing to do this friday well i have a lot of i, I have a lot of things to keep me busy if i want to just choose it yeah. But I found that if I book my whole week, I can't get the big opportunities in. That's what I'm trying yeah. to say here.
0: And, and I, is there any tools that you really found? What I find when I'm on, on the coaching side and, and less in the financial planning is people, you know, they want everything to be perfect in line uh, to then take that never day off. Never so, never will be. It, it, that's what I tell you. It's like you never will be. And we just, you know, I, I went with a client uh, a couple of Fridays ago and I rented a Harley. And he had a Harley who she'd never ridden for like two or three years. And I said, you got to insure it by two weeks from now. I'm going to rent a Harley. We're going to go for two and a half hours in the morning on Friday. You know, you can see he was kind of like, like short circuiting. And after, you know, the smile on his face, I can't believe we're doing this on a Friday. And sitting in his driveway, I just said, it's never going to be perfect. Yes, there's probably 12 phone calls that happened during that time, but... Did you just make that commitment before of, of just kind of jumping off the cliff and, and saying, I have to do it? Or did, was there tools or a book or something that you read that made you feel comfortable um, enough drawing draw the line?
1: Uh, good question. Uh, interestingly, so I was... I, I started Club Penguin. It was actually called Penguin Chat before it was Club Penguin. Uh, Club Penguin was a, a collaboration with Dave and Lane. But before that, I was working on a project, my own personal game studio. And I was working on this little chat world with penguins in it. What year was this? um, 1999, 2000. And before these books came out that I love, uh, I referenced Atomic Habits. That's a fantastic book. There's a new book actually by Seth Godin, um, um, The Practice or The Habit, The Practice or something. Another great book for creative people. That one specifically talks about creativity the interesting thing when I look, I was getting really burned out in the middle there when all my projects and I was building companies and doing stuff and just work, 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 work. And I totally agree. My schedule was completely full. People were booking it for me. Everything was just, it was just packed. Uh, but when I look back and I was like, what made these big successes work? And when I was starting my own game studio, I purposely. Took Fridays off. I was a young 20 something. I took Fridays off. I didn't take it off. I just said I was going to work a day job for four days. And then on my one day, I was going to work on my game studio, my own video Mm. game studio. And Wednesday nights, I worked on my game studio and Saturday mornings. And when I read these books about habit and atomic habits, uh, uh, there's another book, great book about habits as well, The Ancestral Process, Power Habit, great one. I learned that. I created space and a pattern that always got everything done, right? And that's why I started learning later. I was like, oh, I got to go back to that. If that's where my success came from, then I'll put it back in. So I, I'm very vigilant uh, every month to lock, put huge blocks of time in my calendar just to block it, just absolute blocks. I, this is what I want to try to accomplish. This is the day I'm skiing. This is the day I'm going to do Coaching. This is the mentoring. These are the lunches I want to take. There's nothing booked. Absolutely nothing right. booked. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I love. But it. I block it off first, and then at the every almost every Saturday Sunday, I go through my week ahead and I go, "Is that really what I want to do now?" And actually start locking in. So like this podcast, it, it's it, I have a block at this time to do podcast. It actually says in my calendar because I get asked by fans and game sites and stuff yeah, to do yeah. podcast. So I've said, well, I've, I want to do this. I never have time to do it. So I put in an hour every week. And whenever I get a phone call, and I'm like, yep, next week, nobody's booked me yet. So podcasts are go. Yeah. And you just have to just carve them in. If it doesn't happen, then so what? I get to hike more. There's always work. <laughs> well, You, you leave me <laughs> to a Work never stops. Interesting... It never, ever will stop.
0: Well, yeah, and I'm I'm just you know witnessing this kind of listening to you you talk, and I and again, you have enough money to to not work. So that that is uh, I don't know if that's natural. Like I think if you know when we do when I'm working with say younger business owners and you know they're hard charging, and well, if I just open one more location, I'll just have way more money, and then I'll be happy. There's nothing new money. well, so I want you to I want you to bust this up a sec because you have enough money to, to I never said, have. I had, I had enough money when I started
1: my game studio, taking one day off a week and working Wednesday nights. So, so the, but I did. The honest truth, I didn't. We had a townhouse. We enjoyed it. We owned one car. We walked to work and happy as can be. Like I was making video. Happy, I was making video games. I was making video games. <laughs> yeah. How much better can it get than that? How much better it can be? I remember two years into it, it was around 2002 or so, I came back to Dave, my boss at that time. He became my partner at Club Penguin. And I remember telling him, I'm like, Dave, I need to take two days off a week. I'll work for you for three days. You pay me a paycheck and I'm going to take two days to work on my game student. And he's like, why are you going to do that? And I said, well, I'm a one day off on Fridays. I make more money annually than you pay me for my four days.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So I said it's time to. I said I want to grow my business, so I said it's time to get now to two days off a week.
0: Yeah, and that <laughs> so you so you set the intention and 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 made it happen. But coming back to the blocking, so you still have a driving passion to be active. Is is it a drive to still use your brain, or is there a fear of something? If you didn't, you know, work on the business or on passion projects, like how come if, if you've got enough money, why don't you just? travel and buy a yacht. and That's boring. You know... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I... Uh, The most exciting thing I can do in my career
1: right now, I do that anyway. I go hiking and everything with it. Uh, most exciting thing I can do right now, I love to create things. I love watching creative people create things. The best thing I can do is, well, I tell people, like, I believe the number one gift of an entrepreneur is to actually create jobs, not wealth. Right. Create jobs. I love, I have it on my wall. I have three goals. One is to create, um, 2000 jobs for the creative industry employed all at the same time. I want to delight and inspire 1 billion fans. And I want to do it entirely from my backpack, hiking the world. That's on my wall. (laughs) What else would you want to do? It's awesome.
0: Well, it definitely shows the scope of your mind and how, uh, People get we're you know, halfway limited. to a billion. I'm like
1: almost there. I like rock and roll. There are three hundred and fifty million kids play club paying when they're still fans. We've added another hundred and something million fans over adventure capitalists and stuff. I'm marching my way to a billion fans. So yeah.
0: So so when you get there,
1: it, you know, I don't uh, know. so just I'm double the different... numbers, I guess. I just have to pick a target. Everybody's I'll like, ask you a, qu-
0: you a different question. You need to set goals. I'm like, these goals suck.
1: I just want to do it.
0: <laughs> well, I, I think what we realize, well, what I realize that I'm the more people that are on the show that I, I listen to, it isn't so much the goals are like a checklist. It's the values behind them. And the val your value is you know impacting a number of people and making, you know, ser- you know, not serving so much, but you do that. But just the creation out of nothing to something. Yeah. And uh I do find that quite inspiring. So Back me up to Lance uh, 20 years ago. Oh, dear. So that's, that's enough. I, I was and a I, punk. <laughs> well, <laughs> so what, what 20 years ago would you have bought or done different or experienced that you didn't because you didn't know your financial picture? Now knowing where you would be today. Well, I was blessed. So I'm a son of a banker. So, my dad always taught me about how
1: to save, invest, RSPs, put aside. I did monthly check, weekly everything. I knew exactly. We, we knew every year we couldn't account for less, about $200. We didn't know what we spent it on. That's how well we were still in our 20s and stuff. So, it's really important to measure. If you don't have the money, and you can't save it, you should still measure it because it's usually quite shocking. And that changed a lot of behavior. Mm-hmm. um so like we sold our extra car all that stuff and just bought a townhouse closer to both our works we could both walk and that's right. cost. we just because we knew the annual cost savings and we're like well that's gonna make us really rich we can go travel like hawaiian stuff because that's that's what it's worth owning a second car insuring it gassing it driving commuting all that it's like that's a hawaii trip <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> for a young couple um what would I change? Um,
0: more around the failure side. Um, um, like
1: I'm getting a lot better. I'm not the greatest at... I would, so in our industry, you got to learn when to kill a project and walk away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would stay too long with any project or business or anything. We have to just keep chopping and moving. Uh, Video games is interesting because at the end of the day, we have no asset. Okay, so if the game doesn't work, um, there's nothing. I have no property. I don't own a building. There's no store. There's no... It's zero. It's literally a zero dollar, right? You got a debt. That's it. There's nothing you can even sell. Um, And people need to understand that scope. And I've tried to coach some investors that want to get into gaming. And then they really freak out because they realize that there's actually no asset. Um. so you have to in the entertainment industry, same with a movie, a film there's no asset, if the film doesn't work or you don't finish it, there's nothing, you own nothing you just spent money um, and the, the terrifying part is there's no break even, it has to be a hit, you can't aim for the middle, you have to go for the top, you need to aim for the top 100 top 10 charts or you cannot succeed. You have to work in multipliers, not a percentage. There's no... Like if my team sometimes comes back with, well, this will give us a 5% increase. I'm like, well, we'll, well shut the studio down and walk away. Because who cares? I said, if it's not 10x, we can't risk it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we have to be that bold. Uh, younger me wasn't that bold. Uh, I thought the, the, I thought the misses would hurt me more. And I've now learned they don't. They actually make you get even more work. Because most of the industry just wants to see what you do after you fail in a gaming project. And, and just get up and make another one. And then people just start showing up and saying, Well, we'll publish your second one, third one, fourth one, fifth one. Because you've shown that you can just do it. Uh, what they're afraid of is that you'll hold on and blow all their money and that it has no win. Because you didn't you didn't go to the market. For us, we have to go to the market. Go to the market really early, and get data. Like, is this, does anyone care? Does anybody even play? We think people think it's fun. That Who cares? That's enough. Doesn't matter. What are the does facts? The audience like? care. Can we generate an income or something from an audience? Does it actually have any traction out there? And uh, we need to get to that so fast. But so many developers I watched drag that on for years. And that's just too dangerous in the entertainment market. Because there's no, it's just money. It's just gone. It, there, there is absolutely nothing. Expensive so what, computers in a beautiful leased building with no asset.
0: A bunch of sets <laughs> of good headphones. <laughs> so what, like, what makes a good investment? Because I, I know that you know, if people are looking at stocks or certain things, but a lot of people's wealth has been generated by buying private business, either starting themselves or investing in it. So. Mm-hmm.
1: You... I fail at all those. I tried some of those. I don't do any of <laughs> them anymore. I looked at developments and buildings and junk. I suck. Yeah. Got, I get so many people knocking on my door. Hey, you want to help me with such a sudden? Yeah. I don't do anything physical.
0: I can um, only imagine the, the, door, the, the knocking at the door. But, you know, we uh, call it a wealth edge. So your wealth edge is vetting maybe high return opportunities or zero. And, right. and that's, a, that's a fascinating space uh, to be in because... It's not what's marketed uh, you know by the big investment and in the big banks, you know, these you, you know buy boring conservative diversify. I'm
1: actually super conservative. When I get a win, I put my money into the simplest and safest stuff ever. If I can get a 3, 4, or 5% return per year, uh, it's rock and roll. That's I'm happy. 3, yeah. I'm even happy. Okay? Cuz on my other hand, I'm taking the highest possible risk. So right. when we build a video game, we're looking at it is literally a roulette roll of millions of dollars we spent to try and then get to make nothing. Like it's not, it's not even like 10 bucks or like, it's not even like half. It's like, Oh, here's the bill. <laughs> <laughs> Move on, build another one. Um, what do I invest in? What do I look for? Uh, I've actually been asked that a couple times already. I'm looking for the people, the, the, what I call champions in entertainment and stuff, who, who would die on their project. Like, not die, but like they fight for it. They're not going to bend because somebody else says, you know, you should do this. You should do that. You should do this. Whatever. They're going to like, no, no, this is it. This is the heart of it. And they want to drive it through. So I'm looking for those champions that really want to lead it through. And then... I'm going to rein back their ideas a lot and go, well, if you've studied like lean startup or minimum viable products or anything like that, I'm like, so what do we take to the market to find out? Does it have momentum? And then I'm always investing on momentum. I want to see momentum daily to weekly. If I can't see momentum, then I don't want to invest in the project. We have to show momentum. And then in entertainment, if you want to know the magic formula, the actual currency you're trading on is what's called attention. Do you have people's attention? If you do, that converts to money. Uh, if you don't, well, then you got nothing. Because um, mm-hmm. the reality is, is everyone maybe only has, I'm going to be generous here, maybe six hours to spend on entertainment. So that'd be Netflix or whatever. A day,
0: a week, a, a
1: month? i us say a day. day. I'm just okay. picking a number out of the hat. I don't actually have okay. to research on what people will consume on attention. So I'm talking, scrolling your Instagram, watching TikTok, playing a video game, watching Netflix, getting a series doing YouTube, et cetera. What is your, what listening to your podcast? What is your, your six hours per day? And if you're in entertainment and you can't own a piece of that six hours, you will never convert to money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So what I'm trying to measure against is how much of that time we start to take away. When I see a project in a game and I'm watching the numbers on it and I'm seeing
0: that like a venture capitalist, um,
1: most diehard players play two to three minutes, five times per day, every day for years. So I own attention right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can make money off of attention. Right. Whatever way possible. It means I can sell an ad. I can just ask you for money. Hey, it was, you know, cheaper than a Starbucks coffee. Do you want to pay us? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I, no, have a, I have real. a value statement at that point because I have your attention.
0: <laughs> right. Well, and I, I know you kinda of chuckle, but because it, it seems it's it's the world you live in. But I you know, again, and for most people it's, it's a fascinating world of you know, um the, the ask for money, uh everyone kind of knows the ads, but it, in a game, is there certain kind of revenue streams that are better than others or cost less, or is it pretty much the same because the game's running, so whether it's an ad or an upgrading of a sword or a whatever? Uh it's
1: it's uh um there's a lot of science the um you're doing what's called player motivations exchanging player motivations against what they value for their attention so uh let's say you're a collector your your motivator is a collection like collecting Uh, pokemon go for example all that people playing pokemon collect all the pokemon um I would design a game that shows you that there's 100 things to collect. You've got 10 of them, you've got 90 to go, Uh, you're grinding away, it's going to take you 20 minutes to get each item. Eventually, either I can put a pressure point that you will create in your mind value that for me to complete the collection, it's worth buying it, playing it, spending time against it, or watching ads for it. So I'm going to find a value trade for you to complete a collection. Uh, it's no different than watching you go like, to a cabin and you watch people. Why on the earth do people have a hobby of building puzzles? But um, let's take a beautiful picture and break it. So there's a large group of people that are obsessed. You have to think of the value statement here. Uh, I will pay... This person pays $20 for a box of cardboard with a photo on it that's now broken and they're spending time, their attention to rebuild it. That's a game mechanic. So we just look at your motivators. Let's say you're uh, you're probably in business and stuff. You might be what's called an achiever. You have to win. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put you in a racing game, a sports game. I'm going to put you in competition. I'm going to show you the leaderboard. I'm going to show you where you stand, how you're performing, what's your stats against your competition. And I'm going to drive you to always want to win. And then I'm going to feed your motivation, which is achievement. If right. that's what you are. If you're a socializer, like don't let the group down. Don't whatever. It has nothing to do with the game. Those people are like, uh, you heard of Clash of Clans? Yeah. Yep. Like Clash of Clans is best money making a socializer. They make a lot of their money from the player that's the worst player. So they get you into a clan. You join a group. The underperforming members of the group don't want to leave the high performing players of the group behind. So they pay money to catch up. It's pretty simple to me. Because they don't want to let their group down. Right. They don't feel bad. Everybody's happy. Like I get some people say, well, this video game stuff, money charging is bad. I'm like, fine. Go to any golf course, buy a Titleist V1 and figure out what the cost (laughs) difference between that and the Kirkland ball is. (laughs) Reality is, sorry, guys, we're all not Tiger Woods and we're not going to actually see a difference between a V1 and a Kirkland. Yeah. So you know as well as I do because I golf. Uh, You know the V1 is far superior. So of
0: course it's the feel. It's the feel. It's when you tee it up and you look at it. But how much money are we dropping? Oh yeah, (laughs) I know. But there's it's back to values. You value the ball. Back to the the value.
1: So you got all these teenagers in Call of Duty, making sure they they have to rig out their guy. Right, and they're allowed basic gear for free, or they can go buy the luxurious whatever V one golf ball and oh, yeah. rig up and load out their guy, and that's how the video game industry makes money. We just look at your motivators, what drives you, and offer you the value. We trade the value for it, but that's business.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I uh, I'll uh, I'll let you park the the current business and I'll I'll skip over. The previous business, but the one question I did, you know, I, you know, known you for a number of years, and when I look online, and you know, if people look up your name, there seems to be a real uh, common this thumb penguin story. But you know, behind all that, and that it's the same narrative, whether it's whatever paper. What what is something about Lance Priebe that most people don't know? Uh, you know that the media doesn't say about your your business or your you know your your work life balance, uh, or you know the, the things that you're you're passionate about. Currently or in uh, the past. Well, I'm a really really private guy. Um,
1: I don't post anything about my family or, or or anything I'm doing like personally. I just show like basically like, uh, 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 you know, it just shows that I'm hiking out, doing stuff, business leading, and running companies and projects. I get excited about all the projects. Yes. Yeah. Um, But I don't share much the private side. Love my kids deeply. Uh, Really trying to help them now as they're older teenagers and stuff to get them into their where their passions and their careers are, whatever it be. Um, something about me that most people don't know. I'm actually quite quirky. Uh, I used to my first company when I was eight was making my own comic books and printing them and selling them at school. (laughs)
0: <laughs> what was the first version what was the oh, i the don't name even remember it was like yeah. some
1: weird frog superhero thing i don't know i drew it wrote it directed it went to my dad and my dad was like a workaholic according to my younger brother my dad was a workaholic i never knew i just like he was like i need to go to work i was like great can i go with you because i'm going to use the photocopier <laughs> and then i would print my comic book series and then sell them um so i guess i've always been doing entertainment stuff the the I don't know, I love getting out nature, love the hikes. Uh hiking and walking is really my quiet time.
0: Um well that's again, I was uh more more tapping into your uh your creative side and uh you know you've got you know just such a, a an interesting brain and you know has has that ever got you in trouble? Uh, it has
1: it <laughs> all the time. I'm always coming up with dumb ideas that people are like, "What the hell?"
0: Like, what's <laughs> well, so how do you, how do you take that or how do you lead? You know, is the is the team you've you've led and and you've had a lot of them for a number of years? Do they ever do, the longer they, they 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 always with say me? Yes? They begin?
1: To, no, they ignore me more as they're with me longer. But um, <laughs> they know that there's so many ideas that. Just, I'm fully aware, almost all of them are going to fail. But you got to get them out there. You got to let them live, breathe, run around and then go, oh, that yeah, that was a dumb idea. Oh, back to your question, like younger self. Uh, I wish I would have been more disciplined because I would come up with an idea and I'd chase it. Uh, mm-hmm. Now I actually, I, I note take everything I've got. I take a lot of notes and uh, I just write down an idea. And I always put a date next to it to review again in 30 days. So if I'm still excited, then I go for it. But back then, no, I was just like if there was a it was a cat with a laser, the beam on the floor, I chased it. <laughs> but the, well, that, well, now now I've learned that there's about actually costs like the and yeah, but there's no, I've learned that there's actually costs and things around my ideas, and I'm like, I should actually just pause for a minute because the thing is, is usually another idea comes and it's better, so then I get into trouble because a lot of people are like. But you just told us last week this great idea, and we're working on it. now you want us to do this new thing, and I'm like, yeah, the new thing's better. so this I is why like, I've been okay, well, I've been learning now to wait thirty days and go. Am I still excited about it
0: right wait, so and you you are uh again you, you you nailed it already, I didn't have to say it, but I'm a low key person, and uh, i you know, from what I know and from what you've told me and, and what I've seen, you're not a very flashy person, uh, although you you run in a, a circle of wealth with lots of other flashy people. But what is you know if you think of the five wealthiest people you know that are, or in your, your, your friend group that would be of your wealth or or greater, are they the same people that you think would be the five richest people you know? Or are there different traits between, you know, or you know? Ultimately, I'm trying to get at what is your definition or the ultimate picture of wealth.
1: I don't uh, financially. I don't have that many super wealthy friends. Um, my definition of wealth is just the the happy person that loves their career or job and they're just they just beam. They're they're just so exciting to be around. But those are my favorite people. I'm usually hanging around with those people. They just we just hang out. Um, go for coffee, grab
0: stuff it's It's super cool. Uh it's just they're just content, happy that's it <laughs> and, and so for the person who's not there, for the person who's still kind of stuck on that treadmill <clears throat> of you know I just just gotta get more money, just gotta you know keep charging. is there well, but, any any last things you can kind of well, I was surprised really early on that?
1: Money is only a magnifying glass. That's all it is. That's it. What do you mean by that? Uh, Whatever your personal behavior or passions are today, right now, if if you're seeking, if you're uh, a micromanager or anything, uh, all money is going to do is magnify it. So you will become worse or better. If you're already very charitable you're going to be more charitable. If you're already tight and controlling, you're just going to become more tight and controlling. If you're already unhappy, you're just going to be actually more unhappy. If you're mm-hmm. already happy. You're just going to be more happy. I, I don't actually believe it does anything other than magnify what you already are. So that's it. <laughs> I, I, that's a pretty, I just, just love creating things and making jobs. I just now get to make more jobs and create more things.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, you have, uh, you know, a quote. <clears throat> Your quote is "peace with the past, curious yes. for the future, and enjoying the moment."
1: Yes, that's what I'm trying to live by. Trying to get into. I'm not always perfect with it. Sometimes I dwell in the past a little too long, but I'm trying to like just be at peace with the past, uh, and then just love today because it's just so cool. Uh, we can't we can't buy this time. That's why I love idle games too. You can't buy time.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And and so, is there is there places that have created that that mantra and in, enjoy the moment? Is you know you you have to plan for the future and you have to be strategic in your day to day life. You know yeah. if you. So how how do you try and maximize the the here and the now when you live? You have to live out in the future when you're designing games and and predicting things. Yes. I probably don't understand the question well enough. Uh, well, you know, know, you, you find, if, you know, enjoying the moment, have you not enjoyed it before? Or have you lived, oh. you know, really mm. out in your goals or aspirations too much? I've lived a portion of my life just dwelling on the past. I've lived a portion of my life
1: thinking too far in the future and ignoring everything around me in the present. Later, a couple of years now, I'm just really trying to focus on the present because I'm finding that that's actually where I get to get things done. Because um, you right.
0: turned 40 recently? I'm getting closer to the 50 side, actually. <laughs> I'm
1: 40. off turn 40 this year. So that's why Turning it's, uh... 40, I turned 40 a long time ago. Uh, uh, that, that's where the press was actually funny. They always said, whatever, us, three twenty 20-somethings. Dave always laughed. He was like 50-something when they said that. And I was like late 30s and Lane was like 20-something. I was like, oh, I'm 20-something. Cool. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, yes, yeah, it's, it's tech. It's tech space is always younger, I guess. Or maybe that's what they think. Um,
1: uh, yeah it's a journey uh, I don't have it solved all I know is it's
0: uh, I saw somewhere about like
1: you can't build it you can't have a time machine to go back in time but you can look to the future because you can go into the future or something like that it was an interesting quote like that it was like you always get to go into the future versus you can't go into the past so gotcha. uh, you're just building what you have right now like a lot of the young designers and stuff a couple of entrepreneurs I work with, they were building up, trying to make a bunch of money, doing whatever. And I've coached them and their companies failed and they did whatever. And they're all down. And I'm like, guys, you learned, I'm teaching my teenagers right now. I said, you're, you're before you turn 30, I said, now's the time you get to just invest in you. Um, get all your skills, get all your talent. Know that if it was all taken away, you just do it again. Mm-hmm. Like, don't worry about it. Get those skills. Get those things. Because at you know, 25, 24, 28, 20, whatever you are, bone up grandma and grandpa, aunts and uncles, wherever. You can live on a couch for a month. It won't hurt you. Yeah. But get those skills. And then as you get into 30s and 40s, now you got to start locking in. You're like, well, this is what I'm doing, et cetera, like that. I was thinking about the actually that question the other day. I was like, what if you take a bet one day and lose it? I'm like, ah, okay. Uh, I have enough friends that would probably give me a free laptop and I bet you it would take six months and I can do it again. So I'm like, whatever. Yeah. I've got the network. I've got the skill. I've got the ability. I've got the knowledge. I can just
0: build it. So... I think Tim Ferriss says that about uh, when he looks at venture investing. It, it, he says, uh, am I going to meet new people that could help me in my bigger purpose in the future? Uh, and am I going to learn something that's also going to... Fit with some other bigger projects, and if it doesn't start with those two things, because he says if I lose all my money, mm-hmm. but I still got new connections and I got new learning that's going to help my bigger, you know, driving force, then he he's you know it's on the next round of his mental due diligence. Uh,
1: yeah, but, but no, that's that's about it. Like, you could lose it tomorrow, but I'm fully confident I could just do it again, and I have a blast doing it again. That's the best part.
0: Best part, and that has nothing to do with an end goal. That has to do with being around right now. It just
1: happened to be in an industry that performs financially pretty well. That's all. Mm -hmm. But like I'm coaching my kids, like you might pick an industry that doesn't perform all that great. Well, then be happy with it. Uh, One of my greatest stories that I try to introduce my kids to cool guys. This guy was a developer in New York, and he ran apartments and stuff. And he's my dive instructor in Hawaii. Happiest guy in the world. He's like, I hate, he said he hated the grind, daily grind, dealing with apartments, buildings. He owns it. He owns like a massive tower, does all this stuff, has the cash, has whatever. It's all equal out, right? The cost to operate it, the cost, rent, whatever. And at least in the end, he'll make money. Uh, he said he hated the grind, hired that all out. He's in Hawaii, he's a dive instructor. All he said was, I live in my van. I wake up every morning. My air tanks are always full, and I get to dive with interesting people. Every single day.
0: Pretty simple. And he don't need to, to rip, if he can keep his health up, uh, oh. you know, which is is important, then he could work for a long time. Yeah. Sure, he's got a big nest
1: egg back in New York and he's got some comfort and everything there. But he said he wasn't having life. Mm-hmm. That's all. So he, he outsourced it all, which was which comes out as a wash. You're, you're not getting a real profit. That's too many middle people, right? But he could have grinded and made the difference. But then he said, I wouldn't have every day, get air tanks filled and dive in every, dive in every
0: day. Right. And any, yeah, just to close off the thought about the kids, uh, you have three children. Uh, mm-hmm. I do have a couple of children. So you're always trying to think of what kind of key uh, principles to, to teach them. But anything else that you're, you know, again, your kids are almost or they're almost out of high school or some yeah. of them are. Uh, any core principles around business and life that, that you keep reminding them? Oh, just be
1: curious. That's it. That curiosity is going to get you somewhere. Uh, I don't care what it is. So many people say, get an education, get whatever. I I, I go back to the root of it. Just be curious. So if you're curious about like healthcare, then okay, that's going to drive. That's going to be your drive to get through school to become a doctor or something. But that Mm -hmm. curiosity is what you got to feed that thing. So I tell them, try things, experiment with things, learn about things, be curious because that's going to be your only thing that um, pushes you through to whatever it is Uh, and then whatever they end up being, I don't know. One of them wants to be a rally car racer. I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. let's start ripping apart a car.
0: Like, (laughs) right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's, yeah, I hope, I hope that that's, uh, that would be cool. That would be cool. (laughs) Yeah. He's got a ways to go from here to there. So we'll see. Right. (laughs) And, and your health program is, uh, again, for people on the pod you can't see, obviously we're on Zoom. Uh, you're still maintained pretty fit. Yeah. Uh, you hike it quite a bit. But is that hike the ski. only thing you do for, for mental and physical health? Uh, hike, ski, uh, and I go to the gym.
1: So I got a good fitness coach for the muscle side. That was something new in the last about year and a half, two years. Cause I was trying to lose there. A little bit more weight and get some aches and pains out. Yeah, and I and I went in, and one big business, another big business lesson I learned was uh, success actually comes from watching your blind spots. You can only do that by partnering well. That's a different talk, but Mm. you do not, you will never be successful if you can't watch your blind spots. That's why you also don't partner with people you like. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Lane,
1: Dave, and myself are very different, but we saw all three hundred sixty degrees around us. Right. The. So I went to the gym coach. That was why I went to the gym coach. I point blank told the coach. I said, I hike, I'm active, I ski, I ski tour, I climb mountains, I do all sorts of things. And I'm like, I'm not getting where I want to get to. So I'm that means the only thing I learned in business, that means I'm missing something. I can't see something. Tell me what I can't see. So she started coaching me and started spotting where I'm not paying any attention to. So there's certain things in my diet, certain... Work out certain things that she's tuning that I've never done ever because I even joke in the session, like, what do I even need that muscle for? Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's showing you. She's and me... uh, it's creating even better health, better knees, better strength, better distance, better hiking, everything already. So, uh, but that's another day, another lesson. Uh, oh,
0: yeah. I, great
1: session the... on blind spots.
0: <laughs> I, I will take you up on that. The, 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 uh, the, the final thing as a marketing guy, so as much as you're a creative guy, you are a marketing guy and you understand That's where I started my things. career. I know. So <laughs> in all the supplements and all the different things, is there any sort of supplements you use, or is it are you have you fallen victim to any of that stuff, or are you just trying to do everything? Oh, natural veggie, farmers market, etc. etc.
1: I'm across the board. Uh <laughs> the truth, I want to move, I'm moving towards, uh, eating things that are just as close to its natural natural state as possible. So you want to treat, eat an apple, but you know, I'll, I'll be frank and honest here. If, 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 if there's a nice certain type of chocolate bar manufacturer that puts <laughs> it on my desk, I will eat it. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, I don't even know where that question came from, but I just think of like, you, you like, you know, the, the surround yourself, you're like, you know, reaching out and uh, and I'm going with, uh, I guess I'm going with the the camp of trying to get to just clean
1: fuel. So so I love my steak. I love my whatever. Try to do, I want to do less processing, but the reality is I eat too many protein bars
0: and that's just process. And you know, we'll get there. So here's a, here's just, this'll be the last question. I promise. My wife and I have an ongoing debate about processed food. So You know, I eat Lara bars and RX bars. So I'm just lazy. Well, they're dates, cashews, an egg white powder, and uh, say a chocolate chip. So it's like four or six ingredients, but nothing, you know, no big long words in the thing. And so my stance is that it's not processed. So the mechanics to make the bar is processed. But when I think of the word processed, I think of like chemicals and like deep, you know, things to keep it on the shelf. So What's your definition of processed food? Oh, my definition
1: is I like what you're saying, because it has the real real stuff in it, and uh, like I don't worry about the long words, because reality is a lot of the long words are actually
0: things we're supposed to eat. Mm.
1: The um, 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 process in my mind's like getting closer to junk. So yeah. sorry, McDonald's, you're not serving the best thing.
0: <laughs> well, that we will save um, that for another podcast, it's and uh,
1: probably closer to. I, I basically just look if it has sugars and stuff. I'm going. It's processed, but yeah, it's whipped up, canned, and chopped into a bar for convenience. Uh, I'm pretty good with it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, my stance is touch stainless steel food grade metal to get it mechanically into the size that it is, but it's not been chemically modified. I'll say that, but yeah.
1: That's where I'm, I'm worried about a food that just isn't a food that gets closer to like, you know, like a weakness for jube jubes, you know, the licor- oh. black jubes, which <laughs> in reality is just liquid
0: gasoline. But anyhow, um, yeah, <laughs> OK, well, we'll that would be there. processed. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I think my wife would agree with that, too. So thanks uh, a lot, lads. I uh, I definitely learned a few things that I didn't know, and I'm sure that, uh, you know, there's some definite nuggets about balance, happiness, uh, and business. So I really appreciate you on the podcast today and definitely lots of places we could go in the future. So thanks a lot for being on The Picture Wealth. Thank you. If you found this episode valuable, share it with a friend. If you found this episode super valuable, leave us a review on iTunes. It will help us continue to bring you top quality content. For more information on anything discussed on this show, visit www.servicewealth.com. That's service spelt S-E-R-V-I-S-S. Any investment topics covered on the show are not investment recommendations, and you should seek professional advice before making any investment decisions. This show was produced by Podigy Podcast. Thanks for listening.